Welcome back to Central Coast Stories. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I'm your host, Kayleen Bell. I'm a journalist, audio producer, storyteller, and I live on the Central Coast. And I'd like to acknowledge the Aboriginal land on which this podcast is produced and also pay my respects to the Aboriginal people who walked on this country. This podcast is about stories from a wide range of people who live on the Central Coast, but their stories should appeal to people who don't live here as well. My guest today on Central Coast Stories is Kim Cannon. She's a composer and musician with over 40 years experience. Kim holds degrees in both music and psychology. And Kim's unique musical pieces have featured on international radio, TV music channels and airline in-flight entertainment. Kim is also an author and she will be holding a book launch to celebrate her new book, How Music Heals Us. And Kim says, How Music Heals Us empowers you with the tools to enhance your mental health, physical and emotional well-being. It has the power to transform feelings of burnout, stress, depression and anxiety. The launch will be held at the Impact Centre at 19 Chetwind Road, Erina on Saturday the 18th of June. So that is this Saturday and it will be held between 2 and 4pm. Whether you are from the Central Coast or beyond, all are welcome. And I have an extra special treat for you today. I was very fortunate at the end of our interview to have Kim play some live harp for me for about 15 minutes. And at the end of that time, I was so relaxed. I'll be weaving some of that beautiful live harp that Kim played for me throughout today's episode. It's just beautiful. So now to today's conversation with Kim. Hi, Kim. Thanks for joining me on Central Coast Stories. Thanks for having me today, Kayleen. How would you describe yourself, Kim? That's a very big question. Um, I love all things creative. I am a musician. I'm a composer. I am an educator, music educator, and I love the whole concept of music being for well-being. So how long have you been involved in creating music? Uh, probably about over 40 years. Wow. And what have you done in that time? What musical instruments do you play? Uh, guitar has been my main primary instrument. However, the Celtic harp has been a great love of mine for about the last 12 years. And so you know, I've, I've done a lot of writing on the Celtic harp. But uh, guitar and classical guitar and rock guitar, all things guitar, was my first main instrument. Yeah, and that's when I first met you. That's right. Yeah, I met you in my late teens and you were teaching me guitar for a while. So that's how long um, we've known each other. And you've lived on the Central Coast for how long? Since 1989. What made you shift from guitar to the harp? I really loved the sound of uh, Celtic music. I had that sort of innate love of Celtic music. I think uh, the love of Celtic music, Irish and Scottish and Welsh music, just the folk music really turned my attention to the harp and also just that it's a very comforting instrument, different frequencies to the guitar. And yeah, I just felt like it was a soothing instrument. In your career, you've also been a tutor, haven't you? Yes, that was a very big part of my career during um, many decades, actually. And where did you tutor? Uh, First of all, I started at the Central Coast Conservatorium. 
few years after I moved up from Sydney. And then uh, during that time at the conservatorium, I also took on the role of music tutor at Central Coast Grammar. So how many years did you teach on the Central Coast? Probably about 30 because I was 19 years at the Central Coast Con and during that time, 25 years at the Central Coast Grammar School. And you won an award in 2004. Can you tell us a little bit about that? A few of the teachers were encouraged to participate in going for this particular award. And they were talking about the criteria as being innovative and benefiting the community. So I put together my little spiel and presented it. And I was really surprised, but they granted me the award, which I was really happy about. And so what was it about your work at that time that was benefiting the community? They were were wanting to get behind my ideas about taking music programs, specialised music programs into different parts of the community, whether it was the health areas and presenting specialised music programs in places like dementia units. And also I had a special music program for pregnant mamas because I believe that music is important even in the womb. Right. So have you actually run programs for dementia on the Central Coast? Many years ago, I was invited into a high security dementia unit through the con and we did some concerts there, live concerts, and we just tried to take some data as to how it affected the people that were in there. And what was the result? Can you remember? I do remember the results were really good. The staff was saying that most of the people living there responded really well and some that hadn't moved or hadn't vocalised actually, you know, started to sing the songs and it was lovely. So in the youth program, in the dementia program, in the program for young mums, did you find any common threads? Totally. What was that? That there is an innate response in us all to music and especially if it's targeted to the specific groups. Yeah, or individuals. Have you done much with individuals? Yes, I have. I've, I've uh, had the opportunity through the Central Coast Grammar School. They sort of started a music therapy um, in the music department and uh, so I was taking on one, one-on-one students there and it was great. Students, so teaching them? Teaching them but basically going through music programs specialised to their, if there was any learning difficulties, if there was any behavioural difficulties, actually tailoring the programs, the instruments and even the frequencies of tones of music. I believe in 2004, Kim, you got a professional development award for the work at the Central Coast conservatorium that's right can you tell us a little bit about what that involved Uh, I had some ideas about taking specialized music workshops into the community and I had a little business going called sonic healing environment because I believe that our sonic environments really matter for our health and our well-being true And when you say sonic healing, is that music? Yeah, it's basically music, but it's also vocalizations, tonings, listening to music and interacting with music. You run workshops in this, don't you? Or you did? Yes, I did. At the time, there was a lot of varying workshops that I was sent out to, like dementia units and pregnant mamas would come and and we'd do a specific workshop for them and youth connections for youth that sort of slipped through the school system. So we had a lovely program for them. Didn't you run one for women? 
Yeah, I still do them. I still do them, but not as much in the last couple of years, obviously, with the um, restrictions. With COVID. Yeah. You've run those where, like the entrance? A few different locations, actually. So one would have been at the entrance. Uh, one would have been at Berkeley Vale. And Berkeley Vale, for the youth connections, the dementia unit was at Long Jetty. So what's the response has been to the program? Like, have you got some before and after stories? There wasn't a lot of data collected, to be honest. With the dementia unit, there was a friend of mine who is a singing teacher who came along for the specific cause of collecting some data. And so the results were good, but I just wasn't able to go and do the program as I wanted to do it over a long period of time. Yeah, I guess a program like that would cost money. That's the thing, you know, I think maybe because it was such a long time ago, it may have been a little bit too early for people to really get what I was trying to do. Is that Sonic Healing Environment Workshop? We've talked about musical entrainment before. Is that what that is? It's a part of it because musical entrainment is something very natural. It's a word that's coined to basically describe what happens when you're hearing a beat or when you're perceiving a certain beat and it's mainly to do with rhythm. We obviously have different rhythmical systems within us like our cardiovascular system and and so it's basically just responding to the music. Right and does everybody respond differently? Is it very personal? Yeah, I would imagine so. Like a little infant, for instance, you know, that hears a beat will start bopping up and down. And it all depends on what kind of music as to the the level of response to. I imagine if you don't like the music, that could promote a negative response. Yeah, I think if you don't like the music, you're probably not going to subconsciously be entrained by the music. Sometimes, because it is a subconscious thing, possibly you can be sitting there and and tapping your foot to something that you wouldn't normally put on at home and listen to. Entrainment is just like a small part of the whole sonic healing environment in that you are moving. It's a movement and you're responding to the sound and that's a good thing. And what are the benefits of musical entrainment? What are the benefits for our physical body, mental, emotional? With entrainment, this is where I'm coming from with some of the musical pieces I've been writing. With the music, if it's a certain tempo, it's slowing you down. It's lulling you into like a rocking kind of movement. That's the sort of pieces that I really love to write at this point in time. And so therefore it slows your sympathetic nervous system down, engages with your parasympathetic nervous system, which is of course the system that helps us to relax and to to just bring it all down. Okay, so for people that have never heard of a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system, can you just briefly describe the difference? Like one's negative, one's positive, right? Yes and no. Like we need both. We very desperately need both and they're both part of our um, autonomic nervous system. The parasympathetic is the system that helps us to relax and to enter alpha brainwave states and the sympathetic nervous system is of course what keeps us safe at times that we need to be safe and we need to be alert and we need to be moving quickly you know fight or flight or freeze but people can get stuck 
and especially during these COVID years, people can be stuck with the sympathetic nervous system in the driver's seat, so to speak, because of anxiety, fear. That's when it becomes very dangerous on our physical bodies because what happens is you're stuck in that fight or flight or even freeze can be immobilising and your adrenal system is just on overload. So it's not healthy and it can't be sustained without some sort of physical damage. Right. And so where people may, through COVID years, um, many people increase their alcohol intake, maybe to cope with the stress and anxiety. How could music make a difference to anxiety, for instance? Music is a God-given gift. We can use sound and music to heal our bodies. We can. Have you seen any positive data around the benefits of music to relieve anxiety? I have and it's basically the same sort of line of thinking that uses music and uses beats and uses frequencies to engage your parasympathetic nervous system, therefore bringing you out of that fight or flight. Uh, Kim, you have some degrees behind you. What have you studied? I've studied music at the University of New England and became a Bachelor of Music late in my career and also a Bachelor of Psychology. Wow, okay. Is it doing those studies and especially psychology that's led you to this whole musical entrainment thing? I was aware of the benefits of music. You know, I did my own studies and I did my own like anecdotal gatherings of life experiences as well as looking at journal articles before I entered into psychology mainly. But I found that doing the psychological degree really cemented some of the ideas that were floating around and I was able to articulate them better. Yeah. Well, I imagine you probably need the psychology degree to be able to have done some of these workshops. Yeah. Initially, I hadn't completed the psychology degree while I was running the workshops. So I've done everything backwards in my life. I had babies early and then I got married after my first baby. I've done everything backwards. Mm-hmm. I've studied very late in life. I was practicing these workshops before and during completing the degrees. Have you personally found music to be healing for you? Many, many, many occasions in my life have I found that. Yeah? Is there a significant one that stands out for you? There's probably two significant ones. Everyone's got a story and everyone's got stories of trauma and grief in their life. I guess the first big one for me was when my brother passed away unexpectedly in a car crash when I was 10 years old. And I didn't fully understand. I wasn't fully able to deal with grief at at that time. And so we had a jukebox because I lived in a hotel. My parents were hoteliers. And I just went to the jukebox and found the right song that was helping me to relate to my brother who had just passed and helping me also to process some of the emotions. That was a really big one. Right. And the music helped? The music was intrinsic in helping me process emotions that I wasn't really aware that I was carrying. I had no concept of grief. And what was the second occasion that you said there was two? The second most poignant occasion, because there's been others as well, but this, of course, was the most, well, I can't even put it into words, but it was when my son was in hospital and he was fighting for his life. He suffered from cystic fibrosis and we thought that he was going in just for a routine 
visit, routine antibiotics, he was going to be fine. We'd planned a family holiday after he got out. And I got the call because he was in Sydney and I was up here. I got the call that things aren't going very well. You better get down here. So the family gathered together and went down. And then when the doctors sort of called us all in and sat us down and said, he's dying, we were kind of like in disbelief. But we did what we had to do. And by we, I mean myself and my children. My other children went in there and uh, we just started singing, particularly my eldest daughter and I, because the others were praying. And, you know, there was a lot going on in that hospital room. But when we started to sing just very gently, his breathing actually became calm and slow. And when we stopped singing, he was struggling for every breath. And when we started singing again, it calmed him down. And, you know, with my own eyes and and my own heart, I knew that he was listening, he was hearing the singing, he was hearing us, and that was comforting and it was really having a profound effect on his physical body. Very sorry to hear about your son. How old was he? He was almost 17. That's really sad. So did you get to sing to him till the end? Yes, basically we did. We were talking about him and we were laughing. We ended up, well, after we sang, we just all knew what was happening. We knew. So it was time to say goodbye. We knew he was fighting, so we didn't want him to fight anymore. So we wanted to let him go. So we started talking about his character and how he was such a unique young man and a couple of the things came up that he had done or or said, you know, when he was younger and we started laughing. And as soon as we started laughing, that's when he passed. Oh, my goodness. As tragic as that is, to be surrounded by music and laughter when you go, there really couldn't be a better way, could there? That's right as horrendous as it is and any parent or anyone that's lost a loved one under such circumstances or any circumstances knows how devastating grief is and continues to be but knowing that he was surrounded by laughter and singing and love it was very comforting for us as well. Did that experience with your son set you on a different journey with music? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. Uh, One of the first things I did, we drove back from the hospital after he passed. We were quite numb. So, you know, I think we all went into our separate rooms. We were living in a beautiful little place in Kilcare at the time. The first thing I did was pick up my guitar and straight away a piece came out in honour of Gabriel. And it was the first time ever that I picked up my guitar And the music just came out from start to finish. There was no putting it down and coming back later. It was in there and it needed to be expressed straight away. And so just flowed. Wow. Did that change your practice from there? I believe so, yeah. I think it was the catalyst to record my first ever instrumental album. And what was the name of that one? Intrinsic. In 2000? Yes. Can people still get that? It's almost out of print now, but they can get it digitally, such as Spotify, iTunes. How many albums have you got out? Five. What are the names of those albums and style of each of those albums? Okay, so the first album is intrinsic and it's purely instrumental. I guess you'd call it a Celtic folk sort of genre with ambient music as well. 
The second album is Jewel Box and it's also predominantly instrumental but there is a vocal track at the end. It is still very instrumental and ambient but there's a lot more production in that. So what I mean by that, there's more synth, there's a little bit more percussion in Jewel Box. The next album in order would have been Lullaby which was part of the professional development award that I was to go and record a lullaby album that one I engineered most of it myself and it's purely a lullaby album that is few different vocalists and also I tried to gather lullabies from different cultures different parts of the world there's also a couple of original lullabies that I wrote just for that album as well so that's been a good one for pregnant mamas as well and then there was the promise which is the third in the trilogy of the instrumental albums. And The Promise is a mixture of Celtic and Middle Eastern sounds. So there's a little bit more cultural inspiration in that one. And then the last one was a part of uh, my uni degree, actually. My arts unit was to put together an album. So I called it Harp by Moonlight and harp is featured on that particular album and I've got some wonderful players on there like cellist Sally Mayer and I've got you know Amanda Elkington plays violin and Sean Steele plays drums wonderful Central Coast musicians really really skilled musicians Emma Jones on flute the list goes on I probably left a few people out because I love to mention some of the musicians I've collaborated with too and even on the promise to get the Middle Eastern sounds I uh, solicited the skills of uh, a guy called uh, James Towardress which is the brother of Joseph Towardress which is a famous oud player oh I don't even know what a oud is (laughs) what's an oud (laughs) it's a traditional middle eastern stringed instrument it has a very very unique sound and it's usually plucked with a pick or fingers is it a bulbous instrument yes does it look a little bit like a banjo or it looks a little bit like a large mandolin those albums that you just described can people find them on itunes yes Is that the best place for people that are listening to go to purchase them? Yes, I think so. Like if people still have CD players, and this is a funny thing about the music industry, it's just changed so much. But I do have hard copies and little booklets which sort of go into some detail about the pieces as well. Okay, what's your website for people to go to? How would they contact you if they want those CDs and booklets? Yeah, they can go to my old website. I'm just in the processes of upgrading websites and things, but there's still availability of all of the tunes actually from kimcannon.com that's with an a-n not o-n canan yep and so if people go to that website is there a means to contact you yes are you on instagram or anything yes i'm on instagram as kim.cannon and also sonic healing environment but look i'm not a luddite but i haven't been overly promotional at this stage it's probably because you're too creative (laughs) technology has been great for me as far as being able to record things but yeah there's there's a there's a lot of downside to to being on screen for a long period of time yeah definitely you get distracted and you don't get the creative thing happening totally So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, Kim, is because I believe that you have spent eight years writing a book, How Music Heals Us, and you were just about to launch that on the 18th of June. 
Can you tell us a little bit about where that launch is going to happen and then about the book? Sure. So the launch is going to happen at Erina on the Central Coast at the Impact Centre, which is 19 Chetwind Road. It's a great facility there. It's going to be launched in a little room that's acoustically beautiful. So I'm going to have some live music between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. on that Saturday, the 18th of June. I'd love to invite Central Coasters and beyond Sydney people, Novocastrians, whoever, to come along because it will be a very casual afternoon, but I will be talking about the book and presenting a few things. I believe you said there's going to be some music there. What sort of music will people hear? They'll hear some harp music and there'll be one piece that's played on the guitar with uh, wonderful string players. String players from the Central Coast? Yes, all local musicians. Lovely. That's going to be beautiful. A harp's something you don't really hear a lot of, do you? No, and that's why I love using it in workshops and in one-on-one music therapy sessions because it's an instrument that usually 99% just calms people. Well, I would say 100%, but there's always exceptions to rules. Calms people immediately. Instruments like guitars and flutes and other instruments can be as beautiful and calming, but harp is something that you don't hear a lot of live. Yeah, true. It just is peaceful. Yes, and just different tones, different frequencies of the harp. It's hard to sort of describe, but when I try and tell people, students, about the harp, I say, look, it's similar to a piano in that, you know, you've got the left and the right hand and and it's got many, many strings, like keyboard has many, many keys. What do you love about playing it? I feel the harp is a spiritual instrument. I'm not saying that other instruments aren't. But there's just something about the frequencies and and the tones of the harp that just really, really engages with my spirit. Did you start playing the harp after you lost your son? Within about three years. So it wasn't his death that led you to the harp? I don't think so. I think I just wanted more of the spirit in my life. And harp, you said it's spiritual for you? Yeah, I use it myself to calm myself down because, you know, I mean, We're all subject to stress. We're all subject to anxiety in our lives. To say that we're never affected by it would be, I think, a little bit foolish. So I use it myself to be able to connect the spirit and connect with God and to calm myself down and to write. I love creating and I love writing on the harp. It is such a calming instrument. Now, we've talked about where the book launch is going to happen, but we haven't talked about this book that took you eight years to write. Would you like to firstly describe what are people going to get when they read this book? It's called How Music Heals Us, and the subtitle is Music, the Mind and the Metaphysical. So I really feel that There'll be a lot of people that get something out of it. Because of doing the psychology degree and having things kind of make sense in my own mind as to what I was feeling intuitively, but then being able to articulate it in even medical terms or terms of psychological well-being. I've drawn upon many, many journal articles, many, many experiments in neuroscience. The book itself is not just for academics, but there will be a lot of explanations and a lot of journal articles that are drawn but there's also a lot of anecdotes 
There's also a lot of discussion on um, historical music and how it affects us and how it has affected us over the generations. And there's also a chapter on sonic healing environment. So I can explain a little bit more in detail about where I'm coming from. Is there any of those little anecdotes that you could share, the ones that stand out to you the most from writing the book? When I asked a few people for their anecdotal stories, I had some great responses. I had a response from a beautiful lady on the Central Coast who had gone through breast cancer. I've quoted her because what she said was so beautiful about music and how it got her through, it carried her through that journey of, of the horrible treatments and, and all the rest of it that goes with journeying through something like that. She gave me some gold, so I've put that in the book about how music just literally carried her through. There's also another anecdotal story of a young musician that I've worked with before who was pretty much trapped in New York during the lockdowns and he gave me some gold as well. These stories are their heartfelt stories about what they went through. They were musicians, so they were playing, but friends who who had gone through illness themselves, they were listening to certain genres of music. Right, and they all found it helped with their healing or isolation. Totally. They all have different stories, but yes, I would just say that music kept their spirits up, kept them hopeful, enabling them to process what they were going through. Hopefully many people will come to the book launch. What do you hope that they get out of the book if they buy it? I really hope that people could get the strength and the power of music and sound as a viable therapy in their lives. I think many people already know that. They know how music moves them in ways that other media may not. There's something very deep about music and I talk a little bit about the innate responses that we have within our our psyche and our bodies but I think that everyone will get something out of the book. There might be some reading that's a little bit scientific. People may need to look up a couple of words but hey it took me eight years and I really didn't want to deviate from what what I was wanting to pour into the book. So eight years ago, you had the concept and the idea of a book about music. Was there an inciting event that happened before you decided to write this book or was it just something you had to get out of you? It definitely was the latter. I think I've had this book in me forever since I was a child and it took this long to be able to articulate what it was that I was sensing and feeling and experiencing and to get it out to other people you know a lot of it I hopefully will confirm what other people know I haven't bought anything particularly new under the table but what I think I have done is collate it into one package where there's quite a lot of facets of music and how music as a healing mode modality and that's not new either however I feel that what I've presented will be a thought-provoking discussion and also helpful on a practical level. I know for myself I love music I love playing music but I think in the busyness of life in the mundane everyday routines of our life of mine in particular you know many many years where I just didn't play music and I would have the tv on 
um, as background noise. And I've just recently returned to music that I love and just playing that and turning the TV off, turning the news off has really just had a huge impact in my life just in the last couple of weeks. Do you hope that your book might remind people how great music is? That's pretty much one of the main reasons why I wrote the book is to encourage spontaneous music around the house to I guess even in education how important music is for children the arts music and creating sonic environments around the home where the home is kind of the last bastion of our peace from this crazy chaotic world are we going to keep allowing assaults of all the chaos to come into our homes or can we do something different Can we go back to singing lullabies to our kids? Can we go back to breaking out into some funny, spontaneous song? Can we sit down and learn an instrument? All of these things are for our well-being. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned learning an instrument during the COVID lockdown, I was so frustrated with the lockdown and so angry with the lockdown and just so many negative feelings First of all, I started playing piano because I've always wanted to learn piano and I found a program. I started playing that and learning and learning to read music. And then with that program, they also have a guitar program added on. So I started learning guitar as well in the second lockdown. What a difference that has made to my world. It's something else when I would feel from the lockdown that I just couldn't cope with it anymore and the fear of COVID and the anxiety of COVID and just the whole limit on our life and freedom. Playing the music was something I would go to to um, just find relief. That's brilliant. That's one of the things, one of the underlying themes in sonic healing environment is that, you know, and there's so many reasons why that has been good for you. It's almost like the lockdowns have sparked people on different trajectories and they've really considered what is really important in life and they've decided to shun certain things that aren't so healthy and productive and just say, hey, you know, life may be a bit shorter than what I think. You know, who knows? I think bringing music to the forefront, like that's brilliant that you've done that. You've basically created all these new neural pathways as far as learning a new instrument as an adult. That's a brilliant thing to do. It really is. Yeah, I'm 52. So to learn at 52, I thought it was impossible. I just want to encourage anyone who's listening that it's not impossible. And it was a lifelong dream of mine to learn piano. It just carries me when I just feel like I've can't cope anymore I go and play piano or guitar those feelings of overwhelm I can't think of anything else because I'm playing like it takes all my concentration to play that's right and and it's a beautiful thing because while you're playing while you're learning something new if someone had an EEG machine attached to your brain your brain would look like New Year's Eve you know it's just a beautiful thing and Many adults think, oh, no, I can't do that because it's too late. It's never too late. I encourage people to do it. It's really helped me. Totally. And the other thing that you're doing, you're putting live sounds, live music into the atmosphere, into your home and live music. It's even more beneficial than listening to music. What else would you like people to know about the book? 
I feel like it could be a useful tool for therapists. I feel that it could be useful for people struggling with mental illness. I feel that it could be useful for educators, music educators as well, just music lovers. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a copy. When will the books be available for purchase at that book launch? Yeah, that will be the beginning. They will be available at the book launch and also beyond and also ebook. There'll be ebook released probably shortly after the launch as well and hopefully even an audio book at some point, but not just yet. That'd be lovely. You could play some live harp under it. I'd love to. <laughs> Why do you think music is powerful? I guess it's the spiritual element again. It's been said that music bypasses certain parts of us and enters the back door of your brain. That's a bit of a technical thing to say, but I think music permeates your whole being. Music can uplift you. Music just has a lot of power. Sound and music has more power than what we think. A lot of us know how we feel when we listen to certain pieces or the emotions or the memories. But for me, it has been a soundtrack to my life. I saw in one of your promotional pieces, it's a lifelong friend. Absolutely. And some of the anecdotes in the book will really bring that out, that being able to listen to or to, to play music during those times of trouble or grief or stress has just lifted them up. And it's just one of those things that I think you should be able to go to a psychologist and they tell you about this specialised music program. I think that it's underutilised and it's so powerful. Like even when you go to the GP and you're stressed, wouldn't it be great if they could turn around and ask you, when was the last time you put some music on? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. When yeah. was the last time you looked into some music that you love and put together a personalised playlist and just made yourself sit down and breathe and listen? I just did that for the first time last Friday and it was just amazing just to go back to that music that I loved when I was in my 20s. Music's so amazing that you can put it on and you can feel 20 again. <laughs> it's a time traveller. That's exactly what one of the people I interviewed, or two of the people are well-known producers on the Central Coast, Jeff and Rod McCormack, and I spent quite a bit of time interviewing them. One thing that Jeff said, which I've captured in the book, is that music transports you and it takes you back to that time where you were 15 or 16 and allows you to almost experience what you were doing at that time. I know it's wonderful and for dementia patients I've done a little bit of research and also had the pleasure to interview a man with younger onset dementia and I told his story Gary's Dream and it's been on the ABC and people can still listen to that but he sadly died he used to love all the Australian musicians and rock bands and I had the pleasure of playing some of this music to him when I went to visit to tell his story and record his story with his wife and had the pleasure of seeing this man who was completely shut down by the late stages of dementia and watched him come alive, like started playing In Excess and Aussie Crawl and all of these songs from that era for him and watch this man start tapping his foot, tapping his hand on his leg, getting up to dance, dancing in the mirror at himself, having a laugh, looking at his wife and making cheeky faces, grabbing me to dance, 
And then even at one amazing time, he became really lucid and he saw his name on the wall next to his bed. And he said, Gary, he said, that's me. It so profoundly moved me doing this story and watching the impact that the music had on him. And there was a beautiful moment of reconnection with his wife, which was just incredible. It was very notebook stuff, but I I can't describe it in detail because it's private to her. But it was just phenomenal. You know, she had tears down her face. I had tears down my face. And it was the music that did this, not just any music, but his music, the music that he knew that he loved. This is the power of music. This is real. You know, this needs to be utilised more and more. Yeah, I think when people go to a nursing home, as well as the medication they're on, as well as the allergies that they have, I think there should be questions about their favourite music. And if it's me in a home like that down the track, I hope someone's finding out the music I love and making sure I've got it. Totally. And there are facilities and places that do concentrate on that but I think in Australia I think we're a little bit behind with all of those really powerful music therapies. There was a brief documentary on I think it was Catalyst and it was many many years ago now. It was a few years after I sort of formulated Sonic Healing Environment and the doco was called Music on the Brain and I watched it and I was like smiling all the way through it because they went into nursing homes, they did this, they did that. They just talked about most of the things that we've been talking about now and it was just so confirming to me. There's breakthroughs now in neuroscience and this is being discovered but it's not being utilised to its full capacity. Absolutely not. My grandmother a couple of years ago She was very lucid. She's 99 and a half and she didn't have dementia or any signs of dementia, but she got a respiratory illness. And then this is before COVID. And then the medication that they put her on caused her to have delirium. They need stimulation of their senses to come out of the delirium. So my dear old nan, she didn't have her teeth in. She didn't have her glasses on. She didn't have her hearing aids in. They weren't even aware that she needed them. So I went there and she was just not in a good state and she couldn't talk and she had some movement disorder that was causing her to spasm and like her head to move constantly on the pillow and, you know, she'd rubbed a bald spot into her head. And I thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this day of visiting her because it was just so painful I just decided I would play all the music that she loved from the 1920s dance halls that she used to go to and so I started playing music from that era and then amazingly over time it was the longer the music was on more changes but the spasms this uncontrollable movements that she had no control over she was able to be still and the spasms stopped and then she made eye contact with me and recognized me and I called my dad in and his brother after hours of playing this music and she was able to speak to them and so they got to have their goodbyes with her they got to have that moment of connection. It was the music that allowed that. While we played it, the spasms stopped and she could talk a little bit. As soon as we stopped the music, she was lost again in that delirium state. But my dad and brother got a lovely memory out of that. And it was only the music that allowed her to speak, to make eye contact, and to, to have peace. 
it broke my heart when we were leaving because I knew that the music wouldn't be played. I'd like to see music in hospitals. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, beyond the neural stimulation that your grandmother had that was sparking off, you know, reactions and and her being able to use her senses again, there's that metaphysical element of the music that was touching something really, really deep, deep inside of her. Yeah, I think music should be a crucial part of dementia care and even other settings. Oh, definitely. Stroke victims, that's been uh, work that's been done for a long time now that uh, stroke victims are able to move in time with the music but they can't speak but they can sing. People with Parkinson's I've seen have been able to dance but they can't walk down a hallway. That's the power of music. It's lovely. Kim, is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, I think we've covered a a lot of different aspects of music and personal anecdotes today. So I don't think so. I think that I just like to say, you know, I'm hoping to take these programs more so into the broader community. And I'm hoping to train people to take these programs where I can't as well. And I'm hoping that the book can be like a guide to some of these specialised music programs. But really, at the end of the day, anyone has the ability to change their atmosphere by playing some music or change the atmosphere for someone else they're caring for maybe and play some music even though the book is quite technical the therapy of music is quite simple absolutely the message is simple the message is for everyone and the message is doable for everyone and this is what I like about it you don't need money to do it well I guess you do to come to a therapy session but you don't need money to implement this in your own home Yeah, and just for people that are visiting someone dying or experiencing tragedy or illness, severe illness, we can bring music into these places. Absolutely, and and you can find out what they love and you can also, you know, look into the science of some of the instruments that that are calming and soothing as well. So you can do a little bit of both to to really specialise a playlist for them been a wonderful chat with you today Kim I've really enjoyed speaking about music your book how music heals us uh, the power of music and uh, yeah thank you for coming on to Central Coast Stories and sharing your story with us today thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me today Kayleen I really appreciate it thank you thank you I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, you can follow me on Twitter where I will promote new episodes at C underscore coast underscore stories. And you may have noticed my normal outro music has been replaced with the beautiful harp playing by Kim again just to take us out today. The next episode of Central Coast Stories is not decided yet, so that will be a surprise episode. And that should be coming out either the end of June or first week in July. So stay tuned for that one. And I promote upcoming episodes on Twitter. 
Also, I'd like to give a special thank you to artist Elena Parishko for the beautiful art piece, which is the image that you see when you look at my podcast. So a very big thank you. I purchased her painting and I have her website in the show notes in case anybody would like to see her artwork and purchase some for themselves. So thank you, Elena. All information in this episode is copyright. Please do share the podcast episodes, but please contact me for republishing permissions at centralcoaststories at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.